0: and turn to Psalm 16. We've been working through the Psalms a little bit this uh, past May and into this summer. And last week, Jacob helped us to recognize that Christ leads us where we could never go on our own, as he looked at Psalm 15 for us and with us. And so we turn to Psalm 16 uh, this week, and it's a psalm of confidence Not in ourselves, but in the Lord. Both now and forever. He will be our confidence. And we will have good reason to trust him. So I'm going to read Psalm 16. And you also find it in the bulletin, page 6, 453 in the Pew Bibles or your own Bibles. However you want to follow along. Psalm 16. A miktam of David. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. May God bless the reading of his word. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the Psalms, which help us understand and experience all manner of emotions with the psalmist and experiences in life, the highs and lows. Lord, we thank you that we, like David, can take confidence in you and who you are and how you've revealed yourself to us. Lord, we pray that you would, by your spirit, help us to understand your word, not just to hear it, but understand it in such a way that we do it. That we live it. We know we won't do that perfectly. But Lord, we know that also you're at work and you're changing us. And you're making us more and more like your son, our savior. And we praise you for that. And so we pray you'd use your word for your ends this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how tied you in you are to the college softball world. I'm not tremendously so, but I saw something that definitely caught my attention. Oklahoma softball team won their third championship in a row this year. They did that on Thursday. And they won 61 games this year and only lost one. And before the final three-game series, so what's the final part of the College World Series for softball, There was the media day in which coaches and players are interviewed by various media outlets. And there was a question from an ESPN reporter. And he was asking uh, the players, the three player representatives, how do they keep their joy when there's so much pressure on them, when the target is on their back so firmly fixed, where it might begin to produce anxiety? The first player, Grace Lyons, responded with this. These are her words. She said the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. Any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. She went on to say, I think coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated. Just in a good mindset, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year. But if it was the other way around, joy from the Lord is the answer to that. It's the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, and friendships and all of that. So that's how she made her answer. And then the next player, Jada Coleman, spoke about how she was so happy to win a championship previously as a freshman, but how afterwards she didn't feel joy. She said that. She said, I didn't feel joy. I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel feel fulfilled. And I had to find Christ in that. And that's what makes our team so strong. We're not afraid to lose because it's not the end of the world if we use if we lose. Yes, obviously, we have worked our tails off to be here and want to win. It's not the end of the world if we do lose, because our life is in Christ, and that's all that matters. What a powerful declaration of confidence not in their own abilities, though they would have a tremendous reason to have confidence. They were come into the World Series on a 51 or 52 game winning streak. I can't comprehend that. That's not easy to do at any level of sport, including an especially higher levels the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the lord that's what she said uh, the first player and this is a confidence that finds itself rooted ultimately in the lord now it's not easy but we have to recognize that david understood this he experienced much Greater successes, much greater highs, and much lower lows. He was chaste. He experienced his own sinfulness and failures. He also was the king of Israel. He knew what it was to have a real target on his back. And in this psalm, we see that his confidence is in the Lord. And it had to stem from something much more certain and secure than his own experiences, or circumstances, or his outcomes. It was in the Lord himself and what he gives and what can be received by faith. And so I want to give you three R's this morning of things that can increase our confidence in the Lord as we receive it by faith. My theme is that confident, confidence in the Lord is a consequence of our faith now and forever. So here are your three R's, refuge, rest, and resurrection. So let's start with refuge. Where do you turn when you're frustrated? Where do you turn when you just feel overwhelmed by life? Notice how David starts in verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. If you like the King James, it's preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Now, One thing to note about this psalm is that it's less focused on the external. It's less focused on the cause of David making this request. Of crying out for God to protect him, to preserve him, to be with him. It is a request that is based on trust. And God is worthy of that, certainly. Our confidence is not in our circumstances. You'll hear me say that regularly. Sometimes our circumstances are wonderful. They're good and sometimes they are extremely hard and sometimes those hard seasons last much longer than we ever imagined that they could or would. But faith gives us a confidence to find refuge in our Lord who does not change your circumstances will your God will not. And that is important if he's going to be your refuge, you have to know that he will not change. He will not leave you or forsake you. So David makes this declaration in the beginning of verse two. I say to the Lord, to God, sorry, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. This is underscoring his confidence. Look at the way that it's framed. Here's the literal translation, or a little bit more literal. I say to Yahweh, you are my master. I say to the Lord, that's Yahweh. There you see those capital L-O-R-D. That's how your editors are letting you know that this is Yahweh. You are my Adonai. You are my master. You are my Lord. So David's confidence is in the Lord. And he submits, therefore, to him. Because God has revealed himself as a personal, covenant-making, covenant-keeping, steadfast God. Then David has this. Confidence to submit to him. Yahweh is David's master. And hope for refuge is underscored then by faith in him. In the Lord. And so then he goes on to say, I have no good apart from you. Brothers and sisters, this is only something that can be said by faith. I have no other good apart from you. In our sin, we are constantly seeking a lasting and filling good anywhere other than the Lord. But by faith, we, like David, can make this declaration, I have no good apart from you, or with James, who says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. See, God is worthy of being our refuge. And this is a positive direction for us to grow in, confidence in. So that we say, as we've said recently, and we will continue to say, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. We we make that declaration. That becomes our faith. And verse 4 reminds us, that to seek refuge in the world and the idolatry that is on constant offer to us will not bring us to a place of lasting joy and hope. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. David is also making that declaration as well, that he's not going to go down that path. That requires faith on our part, and false worship will be a constant temptation As we live in this world. There will be refuges of success. Of accomplishment. Of an identity outside of the Lord. And on and on and on we go. will be on offer to you. But they will only lead us to greater sorrow. They will ultimately fail. Those refuges will ultimately fail because they change, and they don't love us. They merely demand from us. And so we recognize that we have a place that we can turn, a place that we can run. We have a place that we can go when we need a refuge, and we recognize that faith is not a feeling but a commitment that we make. And there's a corporate reality to this in verse 3. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So David recognized he's not alone in seeking refuge in the Lord. We find refuge in part in the community of the redeemed as it's gathered in the church. We're not alone in our needs. We're not alone in our seeking the Lord. We're not alone in our struggles. But we come together together. And that's a big part of my testimony. It starts with finding a refuge in the church at a relatively young age. But still, I was on the precipice of being a teenager. I was 12 years old, and I did not want to go to church. I didn't want to go to church because we had never gone to church. So why start now? And I went. And somehow, I kept going. And somehow, I became a pastor. But the main thing that remains with me from that time is what I didn't know I needed, I found in Christ as embodied in the church. And as I continued through my teenage years, my home life was less than stable. It was often chaotic and messy. But God didn't change. He was always constant for me. And so refuge is... a frequent theme and is something that we grow together in recognizing. It's a frequent theme in our lives as well as, as in the Psalms. It starts in Psalm 2. Blessed are all who take refuge in him, in the Son, in Jesus Christ. And we hear it in Psalm 144. The Lord is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge Who subdues people under me. Every soul needs an anchor. And every anchor a safe harbor. And the repeated testimony of scripture is that the Lord provides exactly what we need for every moment and circumstance as our refuge. A theme in my life and a theme in the Psalms and I think a theme in our church. And will you say by faith that the Lord is your refuge? Have you expressed your trust in the Lord by asking him to protect you? It is the testimony of this church and of the church of Jesus Christ that the Lord is that refuge for us. And it is something we share together. Not only refuge, but also rest. The reason we can, by faith, grow in our confidence in the Lord. Rest can be hard to come by, can't it? Sometimes for our bodies, sometimes for our souls, and sometimes for both. There can be some seasons that are less busy, and some that are maybe more quiet. But most of the time, there are constant vies for our attention. We're seeking to be good employees, or to grow a business. We're trying to care for our families, for children and grandchildren. We're tackling the endless to-do lists. You notice how you can do laundry, but it'll show up later. You can do dishes, but they'll keep showing up, right? It seems to never end. And so we can constantly feel like there's no rest. We're trying to heal from past wounds and traumas. We're trying to cultivate our knowledge. There's more and more to do. And there's more and more that is asking for your attention. So where do we find rest when we feel frazzled? Happy if we can get to church on time, or at least close to it. Happy if we can get a decent night's sleep or two, maybe. There is rest in the Lord. And I want to show you three ways briefly. He's our provision is the first thing. I can rest because the Lord provides for me and has promised to continue not always according to my wants, but always according to his wise and gracious commitment to me. I pray for daily bread and I have a full cupboard. I ask for his forgiveness and I find his mercies are new every morning. I seek his goodness and I find that he gives me more than I deserve. So look at verse 5. The Lord has, is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. That provision is better than the best the world can offer. Though it will take the eyes of faith to see it. The Lord not only provides for us, but produces our confidence. That's sort of a picture I just I had a moment ago as we were reading this scripture. I, I think of a, a, maybe a small child who runs up to their parents and says, Here's this precious belonging of mine. Will you hold it for me? Because I know if you don't keep it, I'll lose it. I'll, I'll run about and I'll be playing and it'll fall out of my pocket and I'll, I won't i will know where it is. So hold it for me. What does that allow that child to do? It allows them to rest. It allows them to be free. Because they trust their parent to hold on to what is precious to them. And so the Lord provides for us. If he holds on. Our lot. Then my fear is diminished. In that light. I love Psalm 73. 23, sorry, 25 and 26. Whom have I have. Have in heaven but you. And there is nothing on earth. That I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion. Forever. And so that produces this confidence and rest because I know that God's providing for it for us and he's holding on to what is dear and should be dear to us. Not only that, he gives us a place and I can rest because I have a place. He uses the, the language of the promised land, David does in verse 6, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. In the Lord, we have a beautiful inheritance inheritance. And I know the church will do this imperfectly, but we are to show the rest that comes from having a place. And that's something that's been important to me, partially due to what I already told you about my home life when I was a teenager. And so place is important, knowing a place. And I think it's one reason among many, the fact that you'll keep me as a big part of it, that I've been here for 14 years, is because place is important. And God gives us a place. We may not always experience that certainty in this life. There are circumstances that lead, will lead us to other places. But if we know the Lord, then by faith we can know that we have a beautiful inheritance in him. He is providing us an eternal place. There will be bigger and better by the world's standards. But I have confidence in the Lord's rest that he provides in the places that he gives. Have you ever had this experience where you're driving, you, ha- you have several errands to run? I have probably shared this with you before, but you, you make one errand and then all of a sudden this happens a lot. Lydia and I will be driving and she'll say, where are you going? Don't you remember we're, we're supposed to be going to this other store too? And then I start, I think, well, I'm going home. She'll say, I have this um, umbilical cord attached, and that just starts to reel in. Uh, Maybe more of a homing beacon, right? Uh, that I just start going there. Well, there is a rest that we can enjoy in knowing that we are home in the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is our homing beacon reminding us of this truth. Ephesians 1 says that the Holy Spirit is actually our inheritance in him, in Christ. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sorry, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his eternal glory. So you have. The rest of knowing that you have a place in the Lord. Not only do you have provision, place, but you also have presence. I can also rest because the Lord is with me. We rest because he comes near to us and we receive that nearness as a gift. I said it a few weeks ago. Emmanuel is not just something we think about at Christmas time. What does that mean? Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, We appropriately recognize that at Christmas as Jesus comes in the flesh. As the Son of God makes His appearance in this world, and indeed God is with us. But it is something we can take hope and rest in now. Look at what David says in verses 7 and 8. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand I shall not be shaken. What a difference it can be, it can make in our lives to know that the Lord is on our side. That does not mean we won't struggle at times with doubt or depression, with fear and questions. But by faith, we lift our eyes and see the Lord is with us and that changes us and it changes what we face. Confidence becomes the consequences of our faith, not in ourselves or our own ability to handle everything, but because God is with us. So will you intentionally set the Lord before you this week? Will you ask him to give you counsel in the night and in the day, to instruct you and to be at your right hand so that you will not be shaken? As you know, I've been walking in the neighborhoods in Meridianville and praying, and I use a prayer sheet. And on the backside, one of the first things that I pray as I'm walking is Psalm 8411. And as I was working on this sermon, I realized that what I'm actually praying in part for our neighbors is that they would find their rest in the Lord. So I pray through Psalm 8411, which says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Basically, I'm praying that they would find their rest. Their confidence would be in God, that they would know his provision, that they would know his place, that they would know his presence. And I pray that for us, too. So we have confidence in the Lord because he is our refuge and he provides us rest And finally, in this psalm, there is the resurrection for us to consider. This is considered a messianic psalm because Paul and Peter will use this psalm to speak of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. David speaks implicitly and explicitly about rejoicing in the Lord here. And certainly I I could have focused more on that theme of joy as a consequence of our faith. And we see it in these verses But what actually gives David the cause to rejoice? Well, it's the hope of the resurrection. And that's something that David could only understand by faith. So he ends this with starting in verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, are pleasures forevermore. That therefore that David starts with verse 9 with, pointing to what we've already heard, but there's more there, so David can rejoice in knowing that he is secure in the Lord. It's certainly been a part of this psalm already, and there's an emotional component to that there's a spiritual component to that so his heart is glad his whole being rejoices he's expanding his thought so that you see that this is no small feeling no momentary uh, blip of joy but it is something that is of greater permanence his whole being rejoicing in the lord it's not just a, a moment of religious fervor but from the deepest part of him To every part of him, he is able to experience the joy of faith in the Lord. And so then he goes on. It introduces us to an unexpected concept, at least in this psalm. And that is, this unwavering statement of protection will reach him to eternity. It will be with him to eternity. Because we think, if God's at my right hand, if my flesh also dwells secure, as verse 9 ends, surely there are limits to that. Surely that comes to an end at least when he dies doesn't that mark the end of that As certainly many in the world would think That death is just the end that there is nothing else But that is not what david says He not only says it's not just tied to His circumstances or anything like that. It's not only when david really deserves it Nothing along those lines his flesh Being secure is an ever and always thing because of who God is. So he has trust that he will not be abandoned in life and in death. David, by faith in the Holy Spirit's leading, is able to point us forward to the promise of the resurrection through Christ. He holds on to the expectation that the Lord will not lead him, leave him in death. His soul, he says, is not abandoned to Sheol, which has the meaning of the grave or the realm of the dead or sometimes uh, the dwelling of the wicked. It doesn't mean hell, and there's debates about what exactly David would have understood about the resurrection or what the faithful Israelites who would sing this psalm would have understood or prayed it. And it's true that he could only see in types and shadows, but he also, by faith, understood something that can only per- be perceived that way. That's not blind or irrational. It is simply the experience that we all have in a mirror, seeing in a mirror dimly by faith. And so what happens with this psalm? Well, Peter uses it in Acts chapter 2 in his sermon on the day of Pentecost as he's explaining the gospel to people. Then he uses this psalm and others to proclaim that David was talking ultimately about Jesus. And because it's true of Jesus, then it can be true of us. When David says... For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. The Holy One can only ultimately be Jesus Christ. And so Peter quotes it and he says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being, therefore, a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. See, David's in the tomb, but Jesus is not. And so you have and David had the hope of the resurrection through Jesus Christ. Paul would also use the same argument later in chapter 13, quoting uh, verse 11, or sorry, verse 10, excuse me, and make that same statement effectively. David's in the grave, Jesus is not. And so God is walking with us now through this world, showing us where to walk and how to live and where to find life. That's what we hear in verse 11. It becomes our theme is what we want that the Lord would make known to us the path of life. That we would know in His presence there is a fullness of joy. And I love that phrase, the fullness of joy. It's not a little bit of joy. It's not a, a, just a smidgen. The fullness of joy in the Lord. That becomes our future, too. This concept that heaven will just be us floating in on clouds and ethereal boredom. Is wrong. Because we will see Jesus as he is. And we will know the fullness of the joy of our Lord. We will be in his presence without the mar of sin. And suffering. And doubt. And fear. We will know that unending joy. And someti- Something we can be confident about now. Is this. That at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. Not because everything is okay right now. Nor will it ever be perfect. But if the Lord has defeated death. If he's defeated the evil one. If he's defeated our sin. Then we can trust that there is a better world awaiting us. And so our joy now is but a foretaste of being in God's presence forevermore. And so I have the confidence of the resurrection as well as the rest that comes through our Lord and the refuge. One other Oklahoma softball player spoke during those media interviews, and it it Pretty much brought me to tears as I listened to her Alyssa brito or brito She says I think and i'll conclude with this a huge thing we have latched on to is eyes up We are really fixing our eyes on christ You can't find fulfillment in an outcome Once we figured that out that was our purpose and she spoke spoke of an opportunity to glorify god It changed so much for us once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for. And that's living to exemplify the kingdom that brings so much freedom. That's just what brings me so much joy, no matter the outcome. This isn't our home. And that's what's amazing about it. We have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our Father and I'm so excited about that. Yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home. No matter what my sisters in Christ will be no matter what my sisters in Christ will be with me in the end when we are with our King. What amazing declaration of faith. What amazing confidence. Not in their abilities, but in their Lord by faith. You can't find fulfillment in an outcome. This isn't our home. Well said. She's a champion. But more than that, she's a daughter of the king and a conqueror in Christ. And we, by faith, can be the same. Sons and daughters of the living God, conquerors through Christ. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this time of worship, including your word, and the privilege that I have to proclaim it. Lord, I pray that you would continue to lead us to a faith that grows and deepens in our recognition that you are our refuge, you are our rest, and you give us the hope of eternity through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.